0: God has a prescribed method for righteousness, one that we dare not miss, because if we do, we miss it all, as we'll see next, here on Truth For Today. And again, welcome. This is Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard from Valley Bible Church in Hercules. We're continuing our survey of Romans. We find ourselves back in chapters 9 and 10, verses 25 of chapter 9 through verse 4 of 10, missing God's methods of righteousness. Oh, so that we don't miss them out? Here's Pastor Phil Howard to give us an idea of what is required when it comes to righteousness.
1: It's not a righteous standard we achieve. It's a gift of righteousness being offered from God, he who believes the gospel, God says I will give you a right standing before me as a gift and not as merit he said that day when the light broke through on Romans 117 he said that verse became the very entrance to paradise for me and on that day I found out a guilt ridden a Augustinian monk could be right with God, not by works, not by genuflecting, not by going to St. Peter's Basilica and crawling up on it as he did, praying for forgiveness, begging for forgiveness, begging. It finally hit him. The gospel, the good news is, sinner, God will give you a righteous standing before him based upon what Christ has done for you not based on what you do for him do you hear it we're saved because of what God does for us not by what we do for him do you understand if you're in church today you can be as guilt ridden as Luther and say I can never get good enough to go to heaven and guess what you are absolutely right you can never get good enough Your only hope is to put your faith in the only one that is good enough. Christ is good enough to get to heaven for himself and to take millions who put their faith in him. Put faith in Christ and you can get a free ticket on this liberation train that takes you all the way to heaven. Christ is the one that bought the ticket. Get on his ticket and you can make the ride. It's free if you just believe. Is there anything complicated about that? Is there anything complicated? And yet Israel says, what what are you stumbling for, Israel? This this, this just ruins our religion. What ruins it? It can't be that way. We've been working all of our life. I'm about to achieve perfection. For the law says if you keep it, you can be considered righteous but I've never known anyone to keep it but I'm going to be the one that does it I'm almost there you're stumbling you're stumbling over God's method and then he says the Gentiles got it without seeking it you're missing it while seeking a righteousness in your own efforts let me tell you something Israel you who think you're going to go to heaven on a works law system, Christ is the end of the law to everyone who believes. Other words, there are no rules to keep. There are no expectations to keep once you come to Christ. He is the end of all rules, whether it's from Moses, whether it's from this, whether it's from that. When you come to Christ, it's no longer rules It's not the tabernacle, it's not Moses, it's not Solomon, it's not any works, it's Christ alone. He is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes Christ. Christ saves that Moses Christ saves, not the law. Christ saves, not trying to act like an impressive Christian. Christ saves, not baptism. Christ saves, not giving your money. Christ saves, not your race. Christ saves. Not, not being a preacher. Christ saves. Christ sa- He is the end of all works. It is Christ and Christ alone that saves. The thing that is disturbing to me is to see how much of the church world seems to be unimpressed with Jesus today. I read to you a, um, I read a book while I was in South Carolina with my girl by Brian Chappell. Brian Chapel is the president of Covenant Seminary. The name of the book is Christ-Centered Preaching. He uh, said, unless we identify the redemptive purpose in every text of Scripture that we preach and teach, if we don't watch out, we can keep stumbling over Christ in the Bible because we see all these different principles and People want to argue over this. little. And some people read the Bible all the time and they never see Christ. Do you remember what Christ did to the two on the Emmaus road? He started with Moses, the Psalms, and the prophets. And he showed them all that the scripture said about him. You mean Jesus was back there with Moses? That's what Jesus said. You mean he was back there in the prophets? That's what he said to them. You mean he was in the Psalms? Yeah. But you can read the Bible as Israel has for years. He said there's a veil over their eyes so they can't see Christ. And I'm afraid there's many in the church that are in the church for various reasons, but they've never been captured by Christ. Jesus is not the center of the reason they come. Maybe it's a social outlet, family went there, whatever. There are billions of people that will attend some places of worship today that don't know Jesus. But listen to what he says. He said, I witness miscommunication daily on a top radio station in our city that broadcast a morning meditation. Each morning, the preacher addresses some topic with a Bible verse or two. The subject runs the gamut from procrastination to parenting to honesty on the job. The station turns up the reverberation whenever this preacher speaks so that it sounds as though the words are coming from Mount Sinai. Background noise, you know, effect. Not to pay attention seems like a sin. I would guess that few even question the content of the man's words. He reminds them from the Bible to practice punctuality, good parenting, business propriety, and hundreds of thousands of motors say, that is how we should live. And they, he said, they just love to hear this man. He said, I've played this man's sermons, even in seminary classes, and asked my students, what do you think of it? Great, wonderful. The problem that I point out and that's hidden from the broadcast audience, is that the radio preacher is not a Christian. He represents a large cult headquartered in our region. And he's a great speaker as long as he speaks on procrastination, parenting, anger, temperament. And most of us don't miss the Christ because we all got a bent to hear things that have no relationship to Christ. You see, if I preach to you ethics, you ought to do, you ought to do, you ought to do. If I preach to you ethics without Christ, I'm setting you up to be a legalistic failing Christian because you can't keep all the ought tos. Did you hear me? You can't keep them. Oh, oh, you, oh you can? Can I talk to your wife? Alone with you, with uh, with me and the deacon, okay? How is he doing? Has he threatened you if you tell us the truth? No, no. There's so much preaching, and I grew up on much of it. You ought to do this. You ought to do that. And if you don't connect that ought to to Christ... How about connecting to Christ? Since I met Christ, he's going to make a new set of morals happen in me. Since I met Christ, I've got new desires to please him. Since I've met Christ, there's a new ethic. Since I've went to Christ, there's a new power to do the right. Christ is the source of my new morals. Christ is the source of the new. It's not just me and my effort. I have no effort. I don't have any power, but I've been plugged into messianic power. His power is now being infused in those who believe. Philippians 4.13, I can do all things because I'm strong-willed. I can do all things because there is no Christ. I can do all things through Christ, and in the Greek who infuses his power in me. I wonder if there's any Christ-empowered people in this place. That's the reason you behave, right? This is the reason you can praise God. This is the reason you live different. It's not your strong will. You aren't that strong. You are not perfect. You are not good in yourself. It's his power. It's his life. It's the life of Christ. Quit giving yourself credit, you self-righteous person. It's his righteousness, it's his power that makes Christianity dynamic. Oh, what you would do if he would just lift his power from you for a moment. What we are capable of doing. God help us. It is Christ is my ethics. Christ is my righteousness. But you know what? Even... The church at Ephesus, when Jesus began to talk to them, he said something that's very scary. He said, I commend you for right doctrine. You hate the Nicolaitans' teaching, which I also hate. I commend you, listen, I commend you for working to the point of exhaustion in church work. You are exhausting yourself there at Ephesus for me. I commend you. He never commends us for laziness. He commended them for their works. But listen, I have one thing against you. In the midst of working for me, you've fallen out of love with me. You don't love me. You've lost your first love. How can it be? How can it be? I ask you. This is very personal. Don't say anything. I don't want to hear any noise. This is rhetorical. Is the main reason you're a Christian is because you have fallen head over heels in love with Christ and you're trusting in this stone and you've not been ashamed for he's been everything you thought? Is it Christ? that brings you to meet with this people? Is it Christ that moves you to give? Is it Christ that moves you to give your body, to teach classes, to, to be available, to pray? I, I'm afraid of people that you sense no intimacy about Christ with them. There's no, no intimates there's no Jesus. It's about what they're doing. It's about this, their works, They're this. And we can all fall into it. I think Ephesus was a saved church, but they fell into it. And I begin to think, is there any place in your house set aside for you to get alone and worship and cry and get on your knees and maybe sing a song? Do any of you ever sing a song to Jesus in your devotions? And you get alone. Get your. I'm amazed at all these big houses. You can't find any place to pray in them. Where do you folks pray in your house? We don't. We don't have enough room. Oh, you only got 3,500 square feet. Pray in your bathroom. John Piper said he built his own prayer bench where he can put his arms down. Where he can set his Bible and his hymnal. He said get to a place where you can cry. And you can sing and nobody's going to break in on you. Do any of you pray at home? Why don't you? You're supposed to do it daily. Jesus, where is Jesus in your life right now? I'm talking to you and I. I know all about budgets. I know about everybody, people's complaints. We do this, that, right? We don't do that. You know, just that just goes with ministry and people. But have you lost Jesus in the equation? Did you ever sing a song like this? Hi. Now, if you're trusting your works, this stuff is going to just make you break out in hives because you don't know anything about Jesus. You're in the church for different reasons. But we used to sing songs like this. Now, pardon it for being kind of gooey and sentimental. Listen to it. I would love to tell you what I think of Jesus. Since I found in him a friend so strong and true. I would tell you how he changed my life completely. He did something that no other friend can do. Has he? No one ever cared for me like Jesus. There's no other friend so kind as he. No one else could take the sin and darkness from me. Oh, how much he cared for me. I remember when my sister in Virginia would sing this. And I always quoted this song to John Quinn, a boy that grew up on the streets. And I said, John, no one's ever loved you like Jesus. All my life was full of sin when Jesus found me, all my heart was full of misery and woe. Jesus placed his strong and loving arms around me, and he led me in the way I ought to go. Or what about a George Beverly Shay when he heard his mother reading the poem? He said he sprung from his bedroom, went down to the piano without any rehearsing. said the tune was automatically in his mind as his mother read in this poem. He started playing up the piano and put the music to his, his great marked song for him. I'd rather have Jesus than silver and gold. I'd rather be his than have riches untold. I'd rather have Jesus than houses and lands. I'd rather be led by his nail pierced hands than to be a king of a vast domain or be held in sin's dread sway. I'd rather have Jesus than anything this world affords today. Has Jesus become the end? The end of your search? And he finally said, I'm through with trying, I'm now trusting. I'm through with searching, I'm resting. Jesus, I'm resting, I'm resting in the greatness of what thou art. Daily I'm finding out the greatness of thy loving heart. Jesus, I'm resting, I'm resting, I'm resting in you. You're the end of all law works. I'm resting in faith in you. I found my city of refuge. It's you. Harry Ironside was called to the side of a young lady who grew up in church, went away from the church, lived in the world and did all of her sins, came down with tuberculosis and knew she was dying, was given three weeks to live. And she called in Ironside and she said, Uh, Mr. Ironside, I wonder if a girl that's been as bad as I've been could ever find peace with God. Is there any chance for someone like me? And he read to her John 3.16 and he simply asked her, he says, do you think you could find your name in whosoever? Whosoever believeth shall not perish. And she said, I think I could find my name in that. So he said, "If you do that, you won't be ashamed and you won't be condemned." He went on his Bible conference ministry. Her pastor attended to her, and he asked her at the last moments of her life, "said "Uh, Do you do you believe on the Lord Jesus?" He said, "Yes." What does he say about you? Not condemned. And if you see Mr. Ironside, tell him it's all right. I've landed on Jesus. Hazel is the archivist of our family. She knows our history. She's writing memoirs. And I keep telling her to finish. I don't want to read them on her coffin. I want them now. But she, they're going to be great. Here the other day she called me. She said, oh, I found a bulletin thing in a church. And she started reading it to me. And in this little church we went to, they they would put in the bullet in my dad's testimony, so she's reading it to me. And uh, when she got through, I simply said, I don't know that I've ever known another man that talks of Jesus in such tender terms. It, it, Hazel sounds to me like a love letter. It goes something like that, if I can catch him, but I, I don't have the letter. It goes something like, uh, when I was but a boy, eight years of age, plowing in my dad's field in the fields of Oklahoma, had been to a revival meeting, bunch of shouting Methodists with my grandma. He said, uh, Jesus, he used this guy, Jesus was pleased to reveal himself to a young boy. Now, I don't know if you know anything about language. That's beautiful. Jesus was pleased to reveal himself to an eight-year-old boy. And with tenderness and kindness, he made me his own. He brought me out and put me in the family. And this kind of language. And then as Howard kids that are here, we, we grew up with Jesus. Every time we get in the car, many times, Jesus Dearer than all to me, Jesus, Jesus, thine only, thine I'll be, Whithersoever thou leadest, I'll follow, wheresoever the path may lead, till at last thy face in glory, thy face in glory, I'll See Jesus. I never hear Jesus out of some folks who say they're in the church. And I believe it's because they've not met him. They're full of everything. Some of you have become crusty old Christians. He doesn't move you anymore. You're full of the work, maybe. You're full of the last church fight. You're full of the last misunderstanding. And you forgot Jesus is the end of all that for you. Jesus is what you landed on. There's no disappointments in Jesus. I said there's no disappointments. You will not trust him and be disappointed. There are no disappointments in Jesus. Don't look at the rest of us. Our middle name is disappointment. I said in Jesus. In Jesus. Some of you are trying to find a better preacher. Keep looking, honey. They're all around, maybe. It's not a better preacher. You've got the best Savior anyone could have. Why don't we enjoy him? Why don't we worship him? Why don't we revel in him? Why don't we worship him? This is what Christianity is. And tonight, we're just going to come to worship him. See, if you don't like Jesus... You should be miserable attending these services. Unless God is tracking you down and saying, are you wore out trying? Are you wore out running? Are you wore out going to bed, thirsting in your soul? Something's missing. Something's missing. And I'm going to tell you, something is. Until you find him in the heart, you'll always have a panting for something that is amiss. It's Jesus. Well,
0: as we come to the close of our time today here on Truth For Today, we would leave you with our address and phone number in the event you'd like to reach out to us. Maybe you have a question about today's program, a question about your own relationship with Christ. Maybe you'd like to review today's message or any past message here on Truth For Today. Reach out to us at truthfortodayradio.org, online, or call. The phone number is 855-833-9864. That's 855 833 And one other thought to consider as we conclude our time together today, we know that the challenging times we live in make for rather challenging growth opportunities in Christ. And if this broadcast is helping you in your walk and relationship with Christ, would you consider partnering with us financially and prayerfully? Again, these are very challenging times, since ministries all over the world are actually suffering, and they are being challenged as to how to continue ministering the gospel of Christ. And truth for today is no different. If you consider this broadcast a blessing to you, Would you consider being a blessing to us? 100% of your donation is tax deductible, and it goes right back into the radio ministry. Whether it's a one-time gift, a monthly gift, small or large, it all makes a huge difference. And your prayers and requests to the Lord about the continuation of Truth For Today are even more appreciated. Reach out to us at truthfortodayradio.org or... Again, call 855-833-9864. Or you can write out a check and address your envelope to 1511 M. Sycamore Avenue, Suite 278, Hercules, California. The zip code is 94547. Thank you for joining us today. Until next time, may Christ be your truth for today.